1: This is Squawk Pod, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, the Dow closing above 30,000 for the first time ever. We are
2: up, I believe now, to 12,000 points just from the low that we saw from this pandemic back in March. That's
3: nuts. Wow.
1: New York's MTA is asking the federal government for $12 billion. The CEO and chairman says the Big Apple's transportation affects much more than the five boroughs.
0: What's really at stake is the economic revival of the New York City region and and to a large extent the, the national economy.
1: And first time turkey cook? Us too. Never fear, we might be tackling Thanksgiving on our own this year, but one team is helping us all keep it together. 1-800-BUTTERBALL.
4: We are here all day today. We're here all day Thanksgiving Day and the day after. We'll be here till Christmas Eve, actually, to help answer all your turkey questions.
1: It's Wednesday, November 25th, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning,
2: everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box. This is CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Brian Sullivan. Glad to have you here. Good to see you. Guys, Joe is off today. All squawked up. We appreciate that. We all are. We're getting ready for the holiday, and this is the appropriate squawking holiday. It's Big Bird holiday. It's what happened yesterday that is so noteworthy. The Dow trading above and closing above thirty thousand for the first time ever yesterday. In fact, month to date, the Dow is up more than thirteen percent. It's crazy to think about the Dow up thirteen percent. It's on pace to break a two-month losing streak with its best quarterly, best monthly performance since January of nineteen eighty-seven. When it gained 13.8%, so within striking distance of the all-time record. If you look at the run from Dow 20,000 in January 2017 to Dow 30,000 yesterday, here are the biggest gainers. You're talking about Apple, up by 280%. Salesforce, up by 236%. You've also got big gains from Microsoft, Visa, and Nike. The laggards during that time period, of course, Walgreens, IBM, and Chevron. And by the way, we should mention all those Dow components weren't Dow components that long ago, Uh, looking at some of the new additions like Salesforce that have been huge gainers. And if you look at what happened, we are up, I believe now, 12,000 points just from the low that we saw from this pandemic back in March. And again, it's not even the Dow guys that's the best performer. If you're looking year to date, the Dow's only up by 5.4%. But if you've been watching what's been happening with the S&P, it's up by 12.5%. And then you've got the Nasdaq, which is the incredible performer of the year. Maybe not lately, but if you're looking year to date, it's up 34%. So you're talking about some big market rallies. Uh, Brian, I know you were talking about some of the Dow components that have outperformed just this month, and that kind of caught me off guard. I hadn't realized the big moves we've seen.
5: It's been pretty insane. Boeing is up 52%, like we said, and this is coming from Peter Schack now back at CNBC HQ and our crack team there. If we can get above 30,164, Andrew, so 30,164 in the next, what is it, three trading days right, left, I guess, in November, it'll be the best month uh-huh. for the Dow since January of 1976. That's nuts, wow. All right, let's talk sectors also in the march from Dow 20,000 to 30,000. Technology, of course, the best performer, no shocker there. But did you know it's up more than 140%? The only sector in the red over the period, what else? Energy, oil and gas, down about 44%. It's like the Grim Reaper covering the space. All other sectors up 20% or more. So not only the only sector down, but down by about 60% from the next worst.
6: Tesla, check out these shares. The company topping $500 billion in market cap. That's ahead of that debut. It's going to be debuting on the S&P 500 next month. Tesla's up more than 500% this year. We're talking about different stocks doing well this year. And this is just, it's just unbelievable. It's jumped more than 30% since the S&P announcement uh, that it was going to be joining the S&P 500. On November sixteenth, has anybody actually done better? I mean, I guess there has been, but not not many.
2: It depends on the time frame you're looking at. Right. But Tesla's done really well. But then there are other electric car companies that have even outperformed it. He pointed to, I think, Neo, and the gains that it's seen, uh, kind of uh, make the gains in Tesla look uh, completely puny. Just at least over the last uh, several months.
5: Right. Yeah, and you got Arsimoto as well. The three, you know, everybody's sort of buying into the space guys. But I think to your point, Andrew, uh, I, I looked yesterday, so don't hold me to this. But Tesla, I believe, is the best performing stock in any of the major averages—small cap, mid cap, or large cap—this right. year. So there's some smaller, you know, mighty mites that have done better. But as far as the the, the, the mid cap, small caps, and S and P 500, I believe it is Tesla that is that is that crown and and Elon Musk supplanting Mr. Bill. Now, to be fair to Bill Gates, he's given away, Becky, I know he's your buddy, like $30 billion. So to be fair, must pass him yeah, I think 26 in part billion. because Gates has been so generous.
2: Yeah, I, I, look, and I, we'll, we'll see what happens. Part of it is holding on to the company that you founded. Bill Gates sold a lot of his shares of Microsoft. Uh, Elon has held those shares of Tesla, and that's why he's risen and done so well. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens if he continues to hold the shares and if the shares continue to do quite as well as they have. The White House has given formal approval for President-elect Joe Biden to receive the president's daily brief. This follows a formal notice by the General Services Administration on Monday night that the formal transition of government can proceed. Receiving a classified intelligence briefing is typically one of the first rights of a presidential candidate after winning the election. President-elect Biden speaking with NBC's Lester Holt in his first interview since the election.
6: Immediately, we've gotten... outreach from uh, from the national security shop, from up to just across the board. And uh, they're already working out my ability to get presidential daily briefs. We're already working out, meeting with the COVID team in the White House and how to not only distribute, but get a, from a vaccine being distributed to a, be a person able to get vaccinated. So I think we're gonna not be so far behind the curve as we thought we might be in the past. And there's a lot of immediate discussion. And, uh, and and I must say, the outreach has been sincere. There's, it's not been begrudging so far. And I don't expect it to be. So, the, yes, it's already begun.
2: Andrew, what, what kind of jumps out at you? Hearing this and kind of seeing a, a transition that's starting to take place. And I, I think the market took some solace in that yesterday, too.
6: Well, I was going to say that, you know, more than... Um, and, and you know, I think there was a milestone, obviously, with Janet Yellett's appointment and are people uh, in the marketplace who are very happy about that and other things. But I think that uh, to a large degree, this is taking, should be taking, we'll see, some volatility off the table. I think there were some uh, very, uh, dare I say, scary scenarios that had been painted about what a transition or a lack of transition could look like uh, over the next month or so. And I think at least this demonstrates the beginning of what might seem like a more normal transition, uh, in which case I think, you know, some of that volatility comes off, uh, some of the worst case scenarios come off. And, um, you know, I don't. I, we, we all don't like to talk too much about politics, but I think that that actually played a lot into uh, some of what you were seeing in the market yesterday.
5: It's good to hear the comments. You know, Biden spoke with Lester Holt, NBC News exclusive, by the way. And You know, listen, let's be honest, guys. The media, you know, sort of the bad stuff gets the headlines, and we hear about a lot of stuff going on, but it was really nice to hear the president-elect say that the transition, at least the folks that his team had been in touch with in the Trump administration had been, I think his term was, sincere about it. In other words, maybe some of the top-line headlines that we hear every day, Becky, are not necessarily always reflective of what the rank and file are doing behind the scenes. Just to be
6: 100% clear, not to be political about it, these people, as nice as they very well may be, were not participating in a transition prior to yesterday. Could have they if they wanted to? Uh, they technically no. could have if they were. I mean, so I, I just just, you know, I, we can look at it in all different ways. But uh, there was no transition happening before yesterday. And I think it or, or, or 48 hours ago. now. Well, it, so it, we, I it had to be. I mean, I, I bel- and yes, hopefully, they, sure, hopefully they, they'll be nice about it. But I just. They're supposed uh, to be trying nice to about find it, but they a for us.
5: Yeah, I'm trying to find a little sunshine in the rain of, of politics, Andrew, and I get it. And the president going to Pennsylvania today to still sort of challenge this, this idea. What I was saying is just coming from the president-elect's comments himself, which is that I saw Joe Biden with Lester basically saying, to, kind of doing what he was doing and calming people down and saying the transition as, as he said it, this is his words, not mine, what? I think sincere yes. was the no, no. word he used. I have no idea if the Trump administration right. people have the ability to start a transition without the authorization of the GSA. I mean, I, I know I I can't just tell CNBC, hey, I'm launching this. They're like, whoa, wait a minute. We haven't authorized it. So I think I don't know what they're able to do. It was just nice to hear some nice words, I guess.
2: I, I think it certainly had a calming Always influence is. on the market. I, I think that's part of what you saw. The... the Dow yesterday up by, I think, more than 450 points. The S&P had a bigger gain in percentage terms. It was up by 1.6%. So you, you did see some relief that kind of worked its way in.
1: Next on Squawk Pod, the biggest public transportation system in the country, New York's MTA, has a hefty wish list this holiday season. But CEO Pat Foy says it's all for the greater good.
0: If we don't get federal funding and our ask is $12 billion over the next several years, That would have a devastating impact on commuters, on transportation, on the New York economy, and frankly, would exacerbate social equity issues.
1: We're back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod with Becky Quick, Andrew Ross Sorkin and Brian Sullivan. Here's Andrew.
6: The Metropolitan uh, Transportation Authority Uh, which, of course, runs New York City subway, has released its 2021 budget. And things are looking, I hate to say this as a New Yorker, they're looking very grim. Officials with the MTA are saying that without federal assistance, transit agencies across uh, the country will face devastating layoffs and cuts impacting the national economy. Here's uh, more with that story I want to bring in. uh, Pat Voyage, he is the chairman and CEO of the MTA. Good morning to you, Pat. What's really at stake here? What, What does it look like?
0: What's really at stake is the economic revival of the New York City region and, and to a large extent, the the national economy. Uh, The the MTA carries 40 percent of public transit uh, passengers in the entire country. New York accounts for slightly under 10 percent of national uh, GDP. If, If we don't get federal funding and our ask is $12 billion over the next several years, our hand may be forced, and we may be forced to make service reductions on subways and buses of up to 40 percent, and on Long Island Railroad and and Metro North, 50 percent. That would have a devastating impact on on commuters, on transportation, on the New York economy, uh, and and frankly would exacerbate social equity issues. Uh, We carry, uh, in in an average day uh, prior to the pandemic, about 7.5, 7.6 customers. We get, we get half our revenue from our customers and fares and tolls. The remainder are in a dedicated package of taxes and subsidies. And the, the remarkable thing is the decline in ridership is orders of magnitude worse than occurred during the, uh, the, the Great Depression. I'll give you one example. Uh, the, the decline in subways from September 1929, the month before the crash, to 1933, which was the low point on subway ridership, was a 13 percent decline. In the worst days of the pandemic in New York City, subway ridership was down 95%. And on Monday, subway ridership was about 29% of normal uh, pre-pandemic weekday ridership. Subway and bus ridership has increased uh, significantly. We're carrying pretty close to 2.9 million passengers a weekday on subways and buses. But that revenue, that ridership decline has had a terrible impact on our our revenue. Same thing on the dedicated package of taxes and subsidies.
6: What are you hearing from Washington in, in terms of what kind of federal help you may or may not be able to get right now?
0: Well, look, I, I think the likelihood is that there will be no COVID-19 relief bill this year for mass transit or states and cities. That's certainly the way it appears. Obviously, the election of uh, Biden, uh, President-elect uh, Biden and his administration gives us great hope However, the Senate Republican leadership uh, in, in, in Washington has been holding up funding for states and cities, public uh, transit agencies, including the MTA. And the effects on the New York economy uh, from a transportation point of view, an environmental point of view, a job point of view, and a social equity point of view would be devastating if we don't get that $12 billion of federal funding.
6: Uh, Pat, let me ask you a question, because, sure. and this is the hard one. Uh, I uh, very much appreciate the economic benefits of helping the subway system, especially during a pandemic and the crisis that that it's in and and what kind of economic growth uh, can come from it. Having said that, there is a view, especially those who are not in the state of New York, uh, but even those who are in the state of New York, that will tell you that the MTA, uh, not necessarily under your watch, but for many decades, has been terribly mismanaged. The amount of money that is misspent is uh, notoriously so. And so there are going to be uh, senators and Congresspeople from around the country. They're going to say, "Why are we helping these people who are who have so mismanaged their system to this degree?"
0: Look, I, I think that's a legacy of the past. I, I will tell you that over the last several years, we've taken 2.8 billion dollars of expense out of the MTA. In 2021, we will take an additional billion dollars out of uh, out of the MTA's. Uh, of From a construction point of view, which has also been a target of criticism over the years and decades, we are now delivering projects under Jano Lieber's leadership. We're delivering projects on time and on budget. That was true, for instance, with respect to the L train tunnel. That, that finished early. Uh, third track is, is underway on the Long Island Railroad. That project will come in on time uh, and on budget. There's an entirely new management team, really, from top to bottom, and there's a new approach under Governor Cuomo's leadership.
6: Okay. Pat, uh, we very much appreciate uh, you joining us this morning. We wish you lots of luck uh, on behalf of uh, New Yorkers and, frankly, the country. And uh, we wish you a thanks, happy Thanksgiving uh, and thanks. hope to talk we're, to you uh, We're going to need luck and $12 you.
0: billion dollars from the federal government. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll work on both.
1: Coming up, come hell, high water, or pandemic, we're having a turkey on Thanksgiving. But do all of us first-time mini holiday hosts know how to make it? The Butterball Turkey Talk line is here with tips for your turkey.
4: The number one tip is to make sure that you have a reliable meat thermometer. This is the way that you find out if you're cooking your turkey to the proper temperature for food safety purposes, but also for the best eating quality. Squawk Pod is
3: back after this.
1: You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. This day before Thanksgiving 2020, many of us are facing a big job for the first time, cooking Thanksgiving dinner solo. The Centers for Disease Control has advised Americans against traveling this holiday season and gathering in groups of people beyond your immediate household. Luckily, for first-time turkey cookers, there's Butterball.
2: They are talking turkey down in Downers Grove, Illinois, non-stop gobble-gabble.
1: Since 1981, one of the world's largest poultry producers, Butterball... Phone's busy already this morning? Oh, it's very busy. The, every phone in the room is staffed by a home economist who's talking turkey as fast as she can. ...has offered 24-hour... Hello, Butterball Turkey Talk, line. May we help you. ...reassuring... Well, that's good. Oh, that's too bad. ...unflappable help. To consumers over the phone. So there's a little packet underneath the yellow netting and that'll tell you exactly you know how long you need to cook it and how to prepare it. And even digitally. Alexa opened the butterball skill. From a command center outside of Chicago. But this year in so many ways is different. The 50 phone-a-friends of the Turkey Talk line are working from home.
5: Butterball Turkey Talk
1: line, linea de información del pavo, ¿Cómo You can still call, text, email, and tweet your questions on turkey thawing, temperature, frying versus roasting, to baste or not to baste, and reach experts right in their own kitchens. Checking in with Butterball is an annual Squawk Box tradition, and who doesn't need a little tradition these days? Here's Becky.
2: Joining us right now from his home kitchen is Bill Nolan. He's a Butterball Turkey Talkline Supervisor. And Bill, it's good to see you this year. Probably more than ever, we need your help this time. I have to admit, I'm, I'm cooking a Thanksgiving turkey for the first time ever by myself, without the help of my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandma, or anybody else out there. And I can't imagine I'm the only one. Have you guys been getting more calls than usual?
4: Well, we have, Becky. Thanks for having us this morning. We're, we're thrilled to be with you. We've been getting a lot of calls this year. And, you know, we've we've found that um, through our research over the summer that a lot of people are still going to have Thanksgiving this year. But to your point, they're going to be smaller get-togethers. So they're not going to be as big of parties, and they're not going to have the help that they had before. So we have a lot of first-time hosts this year that are calling us up. They're texting us. They're going to our website and emailing us. And this is the perfect time for the Butterball Turkey Talk Line. Folks can reach us at 1-800-BUTTERBALL and we're there to answer your questions, everything from what turkey to select to how to cook the turkey and have it come out as a beautiful turkey we see in front of us right here. So we are here all day today. We're here all day Thanksgiving Day and the day after. We'll be here till Christmas Eve, actually, to help answer all your turkey questions.
2: What's the most important tip you can give a first time chef who, again, doing this by themselves in terms of what you need to absolutely make sure you don't do, how do how do I not overcook it? What else should I be checking? Should I be basting it?
4: Yeah, absolutely. The the, the number one tip is to make sure that you have a reliable meat thermometer, something like I have right here. This is the way that you find out if you're cooking your turkey to the proper temperature for food safety purposes, but also for the best eating quality. And we recommend that you take your turkey and you Um, take the temperature of the turkey when it comes out of the oven and make sure that you check it in the breast. It needs to be cooked to 170 degrees, in the thigh to 180 degrees. And if you choose to stuff your turkey, you check the stuffing temperature, and that needs to be cooked to 165 degrees. But the first-time cooks, go to the Butterball website. We have a series of how-to videos, how to roast a turkey, how to grill a turkey, however you're going to prepare it. We also have um, frequently asked questions there. We also have the talk line. People can call. You can chat us. You can email us however you want to get a hold of us. But the first time cook should have a plan, you know, know what time the turkey should go in, how long it's going to take, how long they need to rest it, and then carve it and then put away the the leftovers safely within two hours. So if you have all that information, you can have a successful Thanksgiving
2: My inclination is uh, to go ahead and baste it a bunch of times, but how often should I be doing that? And by taking it out of the oven and opening the lid, am I
4: extending the cooking time? You actually really are extending the cooking time. And, you know, everybody's anxious to eat. So the last thing they want to do is have to wait. And the great thing about a butterball turkey is the butterball turkeys are self-basting. So there is really no need to baste the turkey at all if you're using a butterball turkey. And to your point, every time you open that oven door, you're letting it tremendous amount of heat out so that heat the oven then has to recover when you close it so the only thing you need to open the oven door for is to check the temperature which you really wouldn't do until about two-thirds of the way through the cooking process and if you do that you will have a perfect a perfectly browned turkey like we see right here because it is self-basting and basting all basting is going to do really is color the outside of it a little bit more but it's not going to really make the meat juicy And the way to have the meat juicy and dependable, that it's going to be really good every time, again, 170 degree temperature in the breast of the turkey is the way you can ensure that.
2: Hey, Bill, thank you for your time. We appreciate it. and know you'll be getting a lot of calls, but we appreciate you taking time with us today. And and, and folks at home, if you are concerned about not seeing your loved ones over Thanksgiving, that's a, a terrible thing. I know a lot of people are struggling with that. But really, we're the thankful ones because you're going to be able to have food on your table. What I'd like you to think about are the people who aren't fortunate enough to have that food on the table this Thanksgiving because it's an ever-growing number of Americans. Many of our fellow citizens are hungry. They're going without meals, without one or even two meals a day, struggling to find food. I think the latest statistics that I heard were that one in four Americans are not getting enough food because they can't afford it right now. That's the highest level since the Great Depression. Shep Smith talked about this last night. He interviewed the San Antonio Food Bank about the great need they're seeing there and asked what to do. And the food bank director said what you can really do is reach out to an organization called feedingamerica.org. If you are lucky enough to be able to, consider giving to your local local food bank. You can look it up again at feedingamerica.org. And just be grateful and and thinking about our citizens who don't have as much as we do.
1: That's Squawk Pod for today. Thank you for listening. And in the spirit of the season, we are grateful for you. Tomorrow is Thanksgiving, but we will be in your feed with an all-new Squawk Pod. Becky talks to Jewel. The singer shares how her own experiences with trauma turned her into an activist for mental health. I wanted to see if this could help other people without traditional resources. You know, other kids like me without a therapist, without a family group, could I affect real neurological change? Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. On TV, tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern, and subscribe to Squawk Pod, wherever you get your podcasts.